Welcome to the Daryl Smith Podcast Show. Our voices, our views, our generation. Let's conversate. Hello again, and welcome everybody to another installment of the Daryl Smith Podcast Show. And on this chilly Saturday, February 19th, 2022 today, uh, at least tomorrow is going to be 50, uh, 52 degrees, I believe. A little, a little windy, but I'm a... It'd be a very nice day for, uh, for uh, definitely for like someone like myself to get their car washed and um, enjoy the nice, beautiful or nice, warmer temps for this time of year. I want to say um, I'm back uh, recording this now. Uh, last month in January, I took the month off because last month in January was my birthday month, and I on January 9th was my birthday, and I celebrated forty, turning forty three years old. Uh, God willing and being blessed, see another year. I was out on vacation uh, from the January seventh to eleventh, visiting family in California. And uh, it was a nice little vacation, uh, 50s and 60 degrees out there, nice and sunny, and um, warming in here in Wisconsin when I was gone. And it was nice to get away. I felt refreshed and um, enjoying my birthday month last month. And now, now I'm back here doing my episodes, and um, you, I mean, I'm back at it from this point on. So um, with that being said, let's get right into uh, the first topic today. So I want to discuss uh, the recent verdict that came down last month, January 26th. In the uh, Theo Edgecombe uh, case, uh, the verdict for his case, he was found guilty of reckless, uh, first-degree reckless homicide of a dangerous weapon. Uh, the incident happened in uh, 2020 on Brady Street, September 2020, if I'm correct, uh, on Brady Street when he um, he shot and uh, killed uh, Jason Clearman, who was uh, 54 years old, who was an immigration attorney in Milwaukee. Uh, so basically what the incident happened was that um, Theo Edgecombe claimed that uh, he feared for his life because he said that uh, Edge, Edge Clearman had called him uh, the M word or racial appetite, and then uh, he ended up punching him and punching him when he was driving. His wife Clearman was driving the vehicle. He punched Clearman in the, in, the, in, the, in the face, and from what I saw from the footage, end up happening. They end up they have changed some words, and he end up the Edgecombe said he was fearful of his life. That uh, Clearman came at him. Uh, in a way, and he had a weapon on him, supposedly. He came at him in a way where he felt like his life was in danger, and he said accidentally the gun went off, shot and killed Edgecombe immediately. But there's also Edgecombe's wife said that he was darting in and out of traffic on his bicycle, meaning uh, Theo, uh, Theo Edgecombe, and then they said, they said, F you, whatever, get out of the way. That's what his, this was said. Her husband said that, and her husband, he says he claims her husband did not say the N-word. Either way, Whatever happened, sadly, two people's lives have been affected. Theo Edgecombe was convicted on first-degree reckless homicide, even though he's supposed to be sentenced April 8th, but his attorneys are, and they have a right to do it. His defense attorneys are going to appeal this decision before he, get, before he gets a sentence. I think April 8th is a date. And sadly, Jason Clearman is dead, and his, uh, his wife is a widow, and uh, his kids don't have a father, and his family— Miss their family, miss him and his friends. So sadly, both people's lives are impacted in a very negative way. My personal opinion, the reason why I think that Edgecombe got convicted was a couple things. There was supposed to be five minutes of footage, a video footage showing that defense claim argued to the claim that Edgecombe wasn't uh, veering for his life. Only an hour of that footage was actually released, was released to them to play to the jury. Secondly, when he got up on the jury stand, he did change his, He did change a little bit what he was saying about he, he fearful for his life. 
but he did not answer the questions fully that the, that the prosecution asked him. And yes, no questions. There was a contentious battle. Also, the fact that he also fled from the situation too. When it happened, he didn't go to the hospital or go to police and tell what happened. He he went to Indiana, where he was he was uh, actually not Indiana. He went to Kentucky. He was there for about six months before he ended up getting caught. And he had two open cases that are out there still open. Felony cases that are out. Felony cases that are open prior to the situation with uh, Jason Clearman. So I think that him running and fleeing and having those two open cases against him prior to this made his defense a lot tougher for his defense attorney to get him acquitted. And um, and the fact that also he was uh, carrying a gun, he was facing felony charges that he didn't get convicted on, felony charges from before, so he was not supposed to be in possession of a gun. So I think it's, it's really sad that Escom got convicted. He has kids too. I think that the appeal, his appeal, He's going to have a tough time getting this appeal from uh, first-degree uh, reckless homicide to a lesser charge. It's a possibility it could happen, but I think it's going to be a long shot for him to happen. And obviously, it's going to spark it sparked a lot of controversy in the city of Milwaukee about people saying that this is racist, what happened, and what have you. And the system is not is definitely broken. The system does not favor or does not go, it does go against people of color, especially African-American men or males. I am going to say this. I think Edgecombe even admitted he wished he would have done it differently, he, that he should not hit Clearman, no matter what he said, hit him, hit him in the face or punch him. If he would have just would have went away and moved on and moved away and went on his own merry way, I don't think this would have happened. I don't think uh, Clearman would have been dead, and Edgecombe would not have not been in jail either or being convicted for this charge. And just another situation, unfortunate race. We're in a very uh, situation right now, society-wise, where it's very uh, – not pleasant and racial matters and a situation like that are going to come up and, and come into play in situations like this, where there's a white person against a black person or a person one race compared to another is definitely, that's going to be examined too. But either way, it's a sad situation to happen. And I hope that this is a lesson for us that, you know what, you have to think before you do things and even in the heat of the moment and try to handle things the best way you can in a situation like that. So on to my next uh, topic. So, as we know, we've been dealing with the Omicron virus cases that went up, really went up high in the month of January. Well, I got good news here for everybody, and everyone's been watching the news, also knows that the cases have been really steadily dropping nationwide. As of yesterday, a report said that uh, the, the number of cases in the U.S. is at 113,964, which is daily number of cases, which is down 68, 68% compared to what it was at this time a few weeks ago. Also. Death toll is at 2,306, which is, uh, which is also down 13%, which is awesome. Uh, a couple other statistics to look at, too, is that 76.1% of the population has at least one dose of the uh, vaccine, either, either the Johnson & Johnson, the Pfizer, or the Moderna. 64.6% of the population have had both doses of the vaccine, at least, as of right now. And I really believe as we move along, this rest, rest of the winter, going to spring and summer, what have you, this year, I believe those percentages are going to eventually start climbing up steadily more since people, since kids five and older have been eligible to, to get the shot now recently for Pfizer. That percentage is going to increase. And I do think the people with the uh, two-shot dosage will get to my prediction at the highest by the end of, the, end of this year. I think it'll be around 80, 75, 80% for the total population who have both, dose, both dosage at least done. My personal opinion, I think it's going to happen. 
if we get to around 80%, I think that'd be good enough to get herd immunity. And I really believe, and I was telling people, I've said it before, and I could be wrong, but I think that we're getting towards hopefully the end part of this pandemic, the endemic. And I believe by next year, it's going to be no longer as prevalent as it is now. It's going to turn into situations and be like kind of like the flu shot, where you get it, you get it, you get it done every year, you know, once a year, and you know to try to do preventive maintenance, especially being here in the Midwest and the East Coast and the colder part of the country. You get that. It's like the flu shot to protect yourself against getting, against getting sick during the colder months of the year. So that is great news that this is going down. And a lot of states have ended their mask mandates or lifted their last mask, lifted their mask mandates. And also a lot of cities and municipalities will lift them either now or lift them by early next month. I would say that, it's, that we should not, we should still keep our guard up, even though the next thing of the variant that might come after this is going to be even weaker than the Omicron and not as potent or not as contagious as what they're saying. I, like I said, I still think we need to keep our guard up as a society and not totally let everything down and try to be vigilant, use common sense, you know, wash your hands, sanitize your hands very well, wash your hands, uh, social distance as much as possible if you're in a big crowd of people, and just try not to um, put yourself in a very compromised situation right now until we can officially wave the white flag, which I think will be, I really believe it's going to be next year in 2023. So last thing I want to talk about in this episode today is um, I'm happy to say uh, last Sunday, Super Bowl 56, my team, the LA Rams beat the Cincinnati Bengals 23 to 20. And it was, I have to say it was an excellent game. I mean, especially the finish. I mean, I get, I have to give my credit and give props to Cincinnati, the Cincinnati Bengals. Their defense played very well. Matter of fact, they stopped our running game to the point we really we had like I think about fifty less than fifty yards rushing altogether in the game, and they they did stop me our passing game. When Odell Beckham Odell Beckham did hurt and went out, it made us even more one dimensional because Cooper Cup was getting double teamed and other receivers weren't stepping up and not making their receptions and our and their defense was getting a little bit to Stafford and made made some made him make some mistakes. But when they counted at in the last drive of the game. When we got the ball to score, Cooper Cup, Matt Stafford, everyone stepped up, made big plays, and we did what we needed to. And also give a shout-out to Mr. Aaron Donald, who might be potentially retired. I hope he doesn't retire, but definitely one of the best defensive uh, players and that defensive lineman in the game. He made a stop on third down to stop Cincinnati from getting the first down. And on fourth down, he sacked Joe Burrow on fourth and one that sealed the game. And like I said, champions rise up to the occasion when they need to. And I'm so happy and I'm proud to say as an L.A. Rams fan, we won the Super Bowl. And it's the first time the Rams have won the Super Bowl being in L.A. The last time they won the Super Bowl back in the 99 season, they were the St. Louis Rams with Kurt Warner, Dick Vermeil, and what have you. So it's great for the city of L.A. that they won their first Super Bowl as a franchise in Los Angeles. And one more point about the Super Bowl, too. If anyone saw the halftime show, it was unbelievable. It was probably one of the best halftime shows I've seen in Super Bowl history with Mary J. Blige, Kendrick Lamar, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, uh, 50 Cent, Eminem. It was a great show, great music. It took me back to the old school. I am old school, being 43 years old. And it was just great music. It was just great presence. Everything was great about it. The ratings, the Super Bowl, the commercials were, there were some commercials that stood out more than others like they normally do. But um, overall, the Super Bowl game was great. It was it was a great finish. and um. Wasn't a blowout, and I, 
It was everything like I expected, and obviously with my team winning, it made it even sweeter and made it even better. So, with that being said, I want to thank everyone listening to the show again. And until we meet again next time, be safe, take care, and keep it classy. I'm out. <laughs>